What's up, NBA fans? We are about 60 or so days into shelter in place, uh, depending where you were when it all started. But here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we started around mid-March. And since then, I've been home in my apartment, uh, watching reruns of old games, uh, watching Mike Wilbon and Stephen A. Smith and all these ESPN figures with green screens behind them debate, having all these kind of pointless debates on the go. I mean, how many times can you reframe the question in that debate over and over again over a two-hour segment? But outside of that, you know, like all NBA fans enjoying the last stance and that ended this past weekend. So this podcast episode, we're definitely jumping in and reviewing the whole thing overall, sharing our thoughts and our favorite moments. Um, but before we dive into that, we'll... We'll also, oh, and forgot to mention that we'll also be redoing the 2011 NBA draft. There were some notable names that came out of there. But before we dive into all that, we do have some quick thoughts here uh, to share about news in the NBA. Uh, so, Sean, it seems like a, sh- a shocker here, but the NBA quickly looks like things are coming out that they're progressing towards a plan to return to action this season and still crown an NBA champion, at least this summer. Yeah, Alan. I mean, this this is obviously really exciting news for us as fans that while it seemed very bleak, maybe even just a few weeks ago, looking at the outlook on the season and wondering if it was even going to happen, a lot of rumors were saying, oh, this doesn't even look like it's going to happen. They're like, they're not even talking about restarting the season. But in the last week or two weeks or so, we've started to see some movement there, especially last week with everything start or two weeks ago when everything started to open up at the beginning of May, the practice facilities. And now you even have them talking about actual scenarios where the season could start and certain areas or certain locations where they could have the season begin uh, with you. You have a uh, guidelines around June 1st coming out uh, for a plan to return to action and teams are going to be allowed to recall their players that left their markets to go home. So they're actually going to go out back to their teams, back to the where they're located, to the practice facilities. And we might, I think we're going to see the NBA season start up again in some way, shape, or form. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, I know Shaq was really outspoken about just calling it quits on the season. And that could definitely be obviously the easier option and just call it a restart. But when you really break it down and the NBA has got to be breaking it down, this was a tough year in terms of the ratings and in terms of revenue outlook. And then, and this was before this whole COVID thing hit. And now that the COVID thing has hit, it, it seems, it seems, I think it would be really tough for the NBA and the owners to leave that money on the table. If you can at least garner up a playoff and a couple of regular season exhibition games, like, that's got to be some money you just can't leave on the table and you got to take it, especially if the players are willing to go with it and are willing to commit to this and and play out the, the playoffs and, and crown an NBA champion. And to me, it sounds like more than anybody, LeBron James seems to be leading that uh, that discussion. Hmm. I mean, he was pretty outspoken about it on Twitter and it makes sense. I mean, he's he's looking at the he's looking at time as his worst enemy more than anybody in terms of his right. legacy. So I'm sure he wants to get on the court. Um, and have something to say about his legacy. And owners want to collect some change. The NBA wants to collect some change. And NBA fans are hungry for content. I mean, I don't see why not try. So I'm I'm all in for it. Is it going to be an asterisk type season? I don't know. I hope not. I guess in some degree you, you are going to have to put an asterisk on it. However, I mean, I think at the end of the day, these are great players, professionals. And I think they're going to go at each other 
as best as they can. And I think we'll still get a good product out on the court. So I'm excited about this. Yeah, and I think a big part of this too is that we're just seeing kind of everything get back to a little more normal every single day. And that's mm-hmm. what it seems because you even have the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, I believe his name is, saying that he's ready for sports to come back without fans. And even having New York as one of the designated places that they could play, which, I mean, if you talked about that a month ago, I don't think anyone would have even thought of that as a consideration with the state that New York was in. But it seems like we've gotten to a point where everyone seems like we're ready to open up. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it seems like people are starting to come out a little more. We're seeing parks open up, beaches open up. Uh, rest- I, one of my favorite restaurants in San Luis Obispo, you'll love this, Alan Petra, is able to open the restaurant for half of the capacity. Nice. And so we got we got pickup there. I still I still wasn't brave enough to <laughs> go in the restaurant myself, but there were people in there, and it was really cool to see like a sense of normalcy come back to that restaurant, even if it was only half the amount of people that could go in there. And I think that's where the state of things are in the world, and I think sports are reflecting that. And if the last dance is any indication, people are so hungry for basketball right now. The mm-hmm. ratings will just be through the roof no matter what shape the NBA season comes back in. Yeah, I think so. I think there's definitely hunger to to just get back to normalcy. I, I definitely agree. I feel it myself. I have been feeling an urge for this to be over for quite some time now. But, you know, we do got to take the proper precautions and it thinks, and that's, I, that's what I think is the biggest challenge for the NBA is just making the logistics work and getting everybody to really commit to that. And if that means, you know, playing within a bubble area, whether that's in, or in Orlando or Las Vegas, I think it makes sense. And I think that might be the best way to do it. Now it's just a matter of, can you make the pieces work, the staffing, the players to commit, the coaches to commit, because they're going to be away for their families for quite some time. And, I mean, I just read something about Giannis just having a newborn child not not oh, too wow. long ago. So I mean, that's a real thing to think about. Uh, <laughs> he's got to you know be away from his his newborn uh, for a couple months probably here, uh, all for the sake of putting together an NBA season. So I think it looks like it's moving in a positive direction. But I think I'm curious to see what the official um, direction of this would be once the NBA comes out with it. As I think if they pull this off. I mean, I'd give him a big round of applause because it just seems like a huge logistical challenge. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure this is more work than any normal NBA season is right now, especially for the commissioner Adam Silver. And mm-hmm. uh, the prevailing rumor right now that we're seeing come out is that there's discussions of the regular season coming back to just a 70 game season, which would only leave about five games left for most teams. So it's really more of just a preseason kind of get back in shape if you will like get your legs back under you you're not going to really see any movement as far as seating goes with only five games left in the season so if if this is how it'll go new orleans is out of it <laughs> like that's like that's just too bad but i mean i think that's just how it's gonna have to be if this is something that's a 70 game season that starts maybe sometime in july to try to preserve also having seven game playoff series still this i feel like that's just gonna how i feel like this is a pretty good way to bring it back because i feel like the regular season is kind of whatever at this point yeah i just also wonder though and i'm sure this isn't like an official thing this is just like something that's being thrown out there and got uh leaked out um, Possibly, but, yeah. but i wonder like because it just 
Part of it would be like, can you convince the Atlanta Hawks to play again? <laughs> for, I don't for know. Five games. The Phoenix Suns, you know, <laughs> randomly, like just yeah, randomly to get right so now in July. Yeah, fly everyone out to Disney World. It's Disney World. Yeah, you, maybe you don't need to convince them that much. <laughs> maybe, and then you quarantine that whole team. You pay to have them quarantined for two weeks. You know, just to have the Phoenix Suns play the Atlanta Hawks, like a total inconsequential <laughs> game at this point for everybody involved like it's a two-week vacation where you get to play basketball with people i don't see what the problem is here i mean it's just like (laughs) i mean talk can you i mean i'm sure like a guy like trey young you know he's a young dude and he's hungry i'm sure he's out there working out but i wonder about the you know like the Dwayne deadmans of the world are like (laughs) (laughs) you know some of these older guys who are just like role players maybe i'm questioning their passion too much but like, do they are they willing to really just like go all in, hands on deck, get themselves super fit just to play against the Phoenix Suns? You know, when their team obviously there's no mathematical chance, a probability that they can qualify for the playoffs anymore. Oh, absolutely not! Like, <laughs> they're not going to be in shape. That's fine. You know, yeah. I think it's fine. It's just it's just for entertainment purposes. You know. You, you sell it to them like, look, you don't have to be in the best shape, but we're gonna play these last five games just because we want the world to be entertained and yeah. people to be happier. And I don't, they're not going to be able to tell like how bad you are for the most part because mm-hmm. everyone else is going to be bad too, you know? <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think it would be fine. A two week vacation. They can just play some pickup games, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Cause the re- I think the reality is it's like the teams that are cared. They're going to care the most are the 16 and even maybe not even the full 16 are going to actually care. It's going to be like the eight that have a legitimate chance of, you know, going beyond the second round. And and then even that that list gets even smaller when you actually look. It's like the Lakers, the Bucks, uh, the Clippers, and the 76ers who probably think they have the mo- the legit chance of winning the title. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel I feel like I think there there should I, I'd be curious to be in the boardroom and hear what the arguments are <laughs> for that. Like I wonder if there is somebody from the Atlanta Hawks or like the Phoenix Suns who's like, I'm not sure I want to put the cost down to get my team out there, get all this staff out there to, to <laughs> <laughs> just to put a bunch of potentially out of shape players out on the court. So I guess <laughs> there, I mean, I feel like you do it in the name of like consistency. Like you want every team to end with the same amount of games because I feel yeah. like the only other way you do it is you just have the current top eight in each divi- in each conference play out five pre like preseason type of games against each other yeah as like getting your legs under yourself type of thing and maybe get more a little more in shape than you would be just coming out cold but then you have i don't know weird uh, that seems weird too to me yeah like that they're just playing random like preseason type of games against each other uh before they get into like extreme seven game playoff series where it's do or die yeah, I, I think, yeah, and I mean, I think what we're actually going to see out there is going to be something we've never seen before. I think the closest mm-hmm. thing we could probably get or going to be able to compare it to would be like the lockout lockout season of like, you know, 2011, 2012 yeah. when it mm-hmm. was, um, when they only played like half, like 60 games or was it? Right. 60 or so was, games. I think it was 50 games. Yeah, 50 games. So, and even this is going to be obviously on a whole nother degree from that. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. We're going to be talking about this for a while, though. I mm-hmm. and it's going to be like, remember that one year 
Awesome. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what this all looks like. But I mean, moving on from this, when we think about, you know, the season being restarted way back, we did that podcast on when we talked about like who this plays to the greatest advantage too. And we broke right. down a couple teams. And for the most part, it looked like it would be an advantage to teams, especially those with injuries as they have guys giving guys extensive amount of time to recover and get legs back, get their legs back under them. But the, here's one team that the opposite actually just happened. Bojan Bogdanovic is out season ending surgery on his wrist, on his time off, man. Oh man. What a bummer. And it's obviously not, he didn't get hurt on his time off. This was like <laughs> an injury he eventually needed surgery for, but it got, it obviously got to a point now where like, he's not going to keep pushing it and pushing it. So this wasn't a bowling injury? This was not a bowling injury. This was not. He was cleaning his house and towards Achilles. I mean, you got to ask these questions now, right? Like, yeah. you don't know what these guys are doing, but this is, this sucks for Boyan, man. Yeah. This, this guy's having a pretty decent season for Utah, uh, playing a great role for them, obviously being a little more efficient than Mike Conley, who is the other new acquisition for this team, averaging about 20 points a game, and the Jazz were in the four seed uh, going into the, this pandemic break here, and I, I wasn't even aware that he was injured. Honestly, um, I guess he's been injured since January yeah. is what they're reporting. And he was just trying to play through the pain. Uh, I'm guessing that they were probably just waiting and waiting to see if the season was going to come back. And at this point, they felt like, you know what, like it's gone on too long. Let's just save you for next season. And like, we're not even going to care about this season as much. We're, we're, gonna, we're willing to take the hit because this, this is a weird season anyway. Um, so I don't know. I feel like they should have done this way earlier, like back when the NBA season first, like maybe even back like a month ago, you know, yeah. like I, I, it makes sense because I guess like back in early March, you don't know how long you're going to be out for. It could have been a couple weeks, whatever, who knows. But by the time it gets to April, you got to be like, okay, like, do you really think like you need to save his wrist for, for a season that is in entire jeopardy at this point? It might be canceled completely. And that was the point where it seemed like things were the bleakest. That's when I would have gotten this 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 surgery, but now when things are looking up, that's when he gets the surgery. <laughs> so uh, it's it's weird, but I mean, if it was bothering him that much, I think it's the right decision. Yeah, what an interesting sequence for the Utah Jazz. Uh, man, it's just like this team just always feels like it's gonna do better than it probably will, or than it does. And this is yeah. again one of those moments where going into the soft season, it was like. The Utah Jazz were like one of the teams that actually got better. Like they got good and they went and, and actively uh, fixed their weaknesses with better players. And they might just get knocked out in the first round again <laughs> as <laughs> well, a they, fourth seed. I think, they, I think they definitely will. I mean, if they're the fourth seed and, and, think, and we assume that everything's going to stay the same, they'll go up against OKC. So that's an interesting matchup, yeah, honestly. That is interesting. Uh <laughs> I was going to actually start to steer the conversation towards that yeah like okc might go to the second round and the houston rockets might not <laughs> <laughs> right because yeah i mean the, that Denver rocket series would be a, a very entertaining series to watch i mean obviously this is all who, who knows how these teams are going to come back mm -hmm. and be it's all speculation at this point but just based off of what we've we did see from them this season that would have been an amazing matchup to watch 
Yeah. And this Utah OKC one, man, like I would honestly favor OKC now with Boyan out. Oh yeah. Um, because they they were pretty close, honestly, and Chris Paul was killing it, and yeah, that would be a great that would be a great series now without Boyan in there. Uh, we'll we'll see though. We'll see. All speculation, of course. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited now. I, my mind is going into all kinds of places trying to break that matchup. Yeah, so down, many but, scenarios. But who knows if they'll <laughs> even actually get to play with each other? Because I mean, the OKC and the Rockets are essentially tied right now, but OKC has the tiebreaker, so they have the fifth yeah. seed. But you know, if we play five games, that's enough to really change that the mm-hmm. seeding there. Um, yeah. Hopefully, two months from now, we get to actually break this matchup down for real. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but you know, let's shift gears now. Let's let's turn back the clock to the last dance, and the it came to an end this last weekend, episode nine and ten airing here on ESPN. Um, and this has been really the big piece of content that everybody has kind of just like sat around the dinner table with. Like, I feel like it was that. Like I, every time it came on, I just had that picture of all NBA fans sitting around, uh, the the living room, the couch, or the dinner table, and every, all of us just watching it at the same time. <laughs> Straight silence. Yeah, just trying to absorb everything that was happening. <laughs> um, but it's come to an end. And overall thoughts, um, I'll go. I can go first, Sean. Yeah, yeah please, do. please do. Please do. I want to hear what your opinion is. Okay, my overall thoughts are, are this. I think it was a good documentary series. I don't think it was necessarily the best document sports documentary series though I had ever seen. I'm not even really sure if it's the best basketball documentary series. Maybe it is just because of the amount of content it had. Yeah. But I felt unsatisfied by it. I felt like it started really strong. And then the the big things that it brought up, like the question of Michael Jordan's toughness and the sacrifices that happened and the 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 you know, the loss of character that he would experience from the exposure of this footage of how of like like it would show that winning had sacrifices like i don't think that was ever really truly answered and then the question of how the this great dynasty came apart was never really fully answered either like it felt like it hinted at it in the first few episodes but then towards the end it essentially just felt to me like a michael jordan highlight reel uh (laughs) with like really cool and funny dennis rodman uh stories little bits in there yeah, yeah. little bits and like some really cool scotty pippen stories as, as well and you know that episode like half of it was dedicated to steve kerr like i really enjoyed that stuff but really the stuff about michael jordan that i wanted to see i don't think it ever really came up and the things that did mm. come up were kind of things that you know i kind of already knew just and it could be just because i'm so I've been such a I've consumed basketball content so much since like since like my childhood uh, <laughs> yeah. that it could be that I put all the I know all these little tidbits of stories and stuff. Uh, but I was like really curious to hear more of like to see more of like the Jordan frame in practice. And, uh, you know, what was his family like? Like they never really brought up his wife or his kids and the upbringing from of Michael Jordan that shaped him. Like these are kind of the things that people have been curious about and weren't really dug into in depth. And, and granted, obviously this was all a a documentary series that was closely uh, worked with, with Michael Jordan. And I I imagine Nike had their hands in there as well. (laughs) Um, So I, I obviously it was like pretty controlled in terms of the messaging. So I would have wished we got a little bit more, Um, but either way, I still think it was a, it was a good documentary, but 
I think I was left a little unsatisfied by it. Yeah, I I do actually agree with you. I I was unsatisfied too at the end of it all. Because all the episodes leading up to like the last three, I would say, I was like, wow, this is an epic story. I, I love the format that they're doing by like going piece by piece through the mm-hmm. 1997, 98 season while going back to one of Michael's former years. And then at one point they started going out on one championship year after another. I was like, this is really cool. It's showing you the culmination and then it's going to lead up to this epic finale uh, and obviously, you can only work with as much as you can when the content is completely controlled by one guy, mm-hmm. and it's not—it's completely biased. It's not something that's subjective right. to the people recording it. It would have been an entirely different document had they had the rights to all the footage, but obviously Michael Jordan did, and that's—I think—that's why you saw so many people that were irked by yeah. all of the content of it. Uh, Scotty Pippen even. Uh, came out after episode 10 he apparently there's reports that he's really angry about his portrayal in the documentary and how it made him kind of seem soft yeah uh because it it was talk about how michael jordan toughed it out through all this stuff but then obviously had scotty pippen's back issues um in the finals in, in 1998 and um him him holding out at the beginning of the season of, of that last season because right. he was nursing an injury so I can understand where he's coming from there. I saw a lot of people that were upset at how Tony Kukoc didn't get as much love as he should have. Mm-hmm. He like his his largest portrayal was when he was getting beat up by the Dream Team as a Croatian teenager, right? Basically, and that's that's the most screen time that he had. And people keep bringing up all these games that he had where he was actually one of the guys that were like an integral part of why they won when when they did. Yeah, Tony Kukos uh, <laughs> was good. He was <laughs> he like, was a great player. Yeah, yeah. and he, yeah, he yeah he he held his own. But I mean, obviously, Michael didn't care as much about Tony Kukos. <laughs> so he didn't get as much time on the documentary. And even guys like Ron Harper. Uh, right. Uh, this Ron is a Harper. big point. Yeah, in, in the last episode, um, going over the last game, they just went over how Michael Jordan's shot went in, and it was amazing. And then it talks about how Michael Jordan was spent. And he's like, I got to give every ounce of myself on defense. He didn't even do anything on the last play. Ron Harper blocked the shot. John Stockton could have made that shot if he didn't block it. And then it would be game seven. And then who knows what happens in that. But Ron Harper saved the day as well. Michael Jordan shot amazing, obviously. But then you just totally discount the fact that Ron Harper blocked the shot. Yeah, and he, John he wasn't Stock- even in the documentary. <laughs> yeah, and John Stockton was like, is our one of the best three point shooters of all time from the point guard position. Like he had, mm-hmm. he was having himself a hell of a year. And yeah, Ron Harper, I mean, yeah, I think he did, he did deserve so. And I mean, I think in general, I think that's the feeling towards this documentary is that it kind of moved away from being a from basketball perspective to more of just like a Michael Jordan puff piece i felt towards the <laughs> towards the end and I, <laughs> it totally and, was and, and i was definitely looking for more basketball material like you know what was the thoughts that went into these plays like how you know just to, i wasn't expecting like a full-on triangle breakdown and stuff but <laughs> <laughs> we did get a little bit from rodman but yeah yeah, yeah and they did those detailed um looks after uh, you know with dennis rodman and phil jackson those were pretty cool but i definitely wanted to see like like the way that it was teased, like it felt like we were going to be in the practices, like we were going to yeah. see some of that drama that went on that last year. Um, but it definitely felt like the only bit of drama we got was just the Scottie Pippen thing, 
and it felt like a big deal and then and then it never really came back to it yeah. never really felt like it got resolved um it just sort of felt like oh pippen just kind of got over it once jordan toughed it out and, and carried them to the playoffs <laughs> i don't know it just that's just what it felt like to me yeah and then do you buy michael jordan at the end of it talking about how everyone would have come back for to try to go for a seventh title i don't do, know do you really think it was that easy do you think I, everyone would just signed a one-year deal I think it. I think it's easier said in hindsight, but I think there were so many complications, and they, that's the part also that bothers me. Is like those complications weren't really talked about more, like or led up to, like right, like the complication that Scottie Pippen wanted more money of essentially, and you know Phil Jackson. It seems like it hinted at that he wanted a break, but it never really like confirmed that and it never really confirmed what the hell Jordan wanted like it said right. it hinted that he said he never wanted to be a part of a rebuild team but was that really it like what exactly was it like you know never, the only person that got some confirm, strong confirmation of why they weren't coming back was uh, Jerry Cruz's point of view was, was he didn't want to pay for aging stars and Scottie Pippen's mm-hmm. point, of, point of view that he wanted you know he wanted a, a bigger contract and right. The Bulls organization wasn't probably willing to give it to him. I don't know. I don't really know because it seems like we weren't really given enough information. We were given just enough and left, and they left out enough information. I felt to just <laughs> confirm what Michael Jordan say said was 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 that yeah everybody would come back, but yeah. I don't buy it. No, I don't buy it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think it was that easy. I I think that was meant to just make people upset at the like Chicago Bulls ownership for like, why didn't you bring him back? Like it was so easy. You wanted to come back. It's like, no, I don't like Scotty Pippen probably wasn't going to come back. Like mm-hmm. if Scotty Pippen doesn't come back, that team doesn't win a championship. Why did you make, make yourself in a position where you're just a year behind on a rebuild? Granted, right. now that we have the hindsight of knowing that they never got back to the championship after that maybe it was the right move maybe they should have done it because it's not like they had had anything to gain over the last 20 30 years anyway right yeah i mean it took them until what that 2006 bulls team or 2007 or something was it even that no when was the yeah ben you're talking Gord- about the, Der- the Derek rose bulls yeah the young bulls with Derek rose and ben yeah Gordon. i think that was like 2008 yeah so it took that long for them to actually become relevant like that's a mm. whole decade we're talking about. So yeah, in <laughs> longer hindsight, even yeah. yeah. So in hindsight, that they should have you know gone for it a year. But then again, who knows? Like Steve Kerr and Luke Longley, like those guys were on some pretty value contracts. Like they were definitely looking for paydays as well. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Steve Kerr, yeah, yeah Steve Kerr. Um, so who knows if they would have um, committed to it at the end of the day to, for that? And Dennis Rodman, I think he was well on his way out as well. Um, yeah, because he only played thirty five games in the next season and then he's just gone right exactly and it looked like his head was just not about basketball anymore at that point yeah he gave it his all into basketball he was more into wwe at that point yeah exactly and i mean if we go back like one thing i will say about this documentary is it did open my eyes to certain things like i didn't realize how good that indiana pacer team was that last year Mm, yeah Uh, with yeah reggie miller and jalen rose and the gang yeah and mark jackson Mm -hmm. like i think yeah if they all re-up and they miss a guy like Steve Kerr or Luke Longley, then they probably lose in the Eastern Conference Finals to that team. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. That was that was a good team. And like I believe Reggie Miller, when he said he thought that their team was better than the Bulls that year. Yeah, I think but so. But the championship pedigree just kicks into play so much. 
Right, exactly. And yeah, you look at that roster top down, it's it was loaded. It was it was it was a championship mm-hmm. roster for sure. Um so who knows? I mean, I will say this though, I don't buy it. I don't think it was as simple as what Jordan said. Yeah. So I will say one of one of my favorite moments of the 10th episode. I'll give it I'll give it we'll, we'll go back to some positives here. Okay. <laughs> uh towards the end when it was kind of wrapping up, they did have one flashback to a footage of when Michael Jordan was drafted, just talking about how he just wanted to make Chicago a respectable franchise and make it make an impact there. And that did kind of wrap it up beautifully mm-hmm. in my mind because it, it really brings you back to like, wow, this was just a kid from UNC that just had a dream of, of making Chicago a great franchise and just being the best player in the world. And he, he set out and accomplished all of these things. It, it was it's pretty cool it's kind of like a cool like bring it all home yeah kind of moment no i definitely agree with you that was a notable moment and and that's a that, and yeah i guess i should say this um my negatives are you know what i said but the positives is definitely the team i think did a great job with what they had and what they could i think the mm-hmm. team did put together a really great looking documentary like uh, it felt poetic, and yes, like the the going. I think some people didn't really like the whole going back in time thing that they were doing, but I I liked it. I felt like yeah, it, I did too. I did. I felt like the transitions were good. Um, everything flowed well. The storylines connected. Um, again, I think my biggest hunch is just the actual content. Uh, I felt like they left us kind of hanging and didn't really go as deep as I was hoping, and as as much as they teased us like they would. Um, but right. Yeah, so for me, one of the most interesting things, and I think there was a lot of these, is just these little tidbits that were hinted at. Um, sort of, you know, like, uh, you know, that shot where they're prepared, they're getting ready for the All Star game, and Michael's talking about Kobe, that Laker boy, you yes. know, going one on one. See, that's the type of <laughs> that stuff. Was, that was fun. Those little tidbit things that we like would not have seen otherwise, like, or have seen in all these Nike commercials and Gatorade and stuff. Like those little things mm-hmm. were the things that I really wanted to see, and we got some of those. Hope I would have, I would have wanted more, but for the ones that we did get, they were good. Like that one was great. All the Rodman stories. Um, and you know the highlights and the breakdowns of things, certain situations like Scottie Pippen is is back, uh, the Michael Jordan <laughs> flu game. Uh, also, Scottie Pippen regretting the moment he didn't go back into that game when um, when he wasn't given the last shot. Right. So those yeah. breakdowns I thought were were really great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, in episode ten, that Rodman bit where they had to sneak him out of the back. Mm-hmm. I think out they said out of like exit three and a half or something because it has like a code name as being like a secret uh, exit and entrance, and you just see them sneak out, and then the media like notice instantly, and then you just see a swarm of reporters like coming for him, and he's just sprinting out the building to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, see, that's really cool because that's like the that ta- was awesome. Yeah, that's the type of stuff you don't see on like sports center or like you know like that's the type of stuff that gets talked about in books but you don't have any footage to show it and you're just like right oh, man when we had some footage of that so I, <laughs> I wished we would have gotten more of that and it's possible yeah. that maybe the footage all that footage just never re- did exist i mean i just felt like that we were teased with so much more oh. yeah i know there's so much that goes into all that man mm-hmm. so much dirt so this is an interesting question here you have noted, Sean, is like, does your opinion on who's the GOAT, uh, is that affected at all with this documentary? Yeah. I'll let you answer it first. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too much into any more goat debates. We, we've already talked about how sick we are of seeing those. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, I will say no because I did think Michael Jordan already was the greatest, and it didn't negatively affect him. Uh, for me, <laughs> I do think it solidified him to a, a bit. Although you gotta take it with a grain of salt, obviously, because it's totally biased towards Michael Jordan, but. It does. It does go to show. I mean, even Reinsdorf came out afterwards. It's like if you still think LeBron is the goat, like don't even talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll say there's probably some bias coming from that dude, but <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Even, even after Michael Jordan made a uh, made him seem silly, like oh, you should have brought us all back for a seventh for a seventh title, and mm-hmm. you didn't. I, I feel like he still kind of did hit the owner dirty too. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the thing. See, another perspective that wasn't really talked about. His per- why, you know, he kind of just talked about mm-hmm. that he was ready to bring him back. But that is that yeah. really what he thought at that time, though? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I guess just quickly, I like a real documentary. I feel like would have felt like that the you know that the interviewer was egging these people on, and it never felt like anybody yeah. was being egged on for for a truthful, deep answer. Um, no. Anyways. But yeah, my my answer on that is also no. It's like, I I think for me it's like I go back and forth between like LeBron does certain things and I'm just like, there's no way this there's anybody who could have been better than this guy. But then like, you take a look at the track record that Jordan's put together and uh, it just seems like it's naturally his place still even right mm-hmm. now. So I'd say no. I'd say uh, it's just yeah. It really didn't move the needle for me very much. Mm-mm. honestly like it solidified it a little more but i still think if lebron is able to have something incredible happen in these last like three or four years he has with the lakers and I, who knows how much longer he'll play i'm gonna assume it's like four more years yeah if he can do something fantastic with that i, I still think he can be the goat but i think michael jordan is, is still the clear front runner there yeah i think his biggest challenge is not just competing with the guy, but like competing with like the mythos of Michael Jordan, which oh, is yeah. like <laughs> after this documentary is it's it's gonna be crazy. I mean, yeah. maybe he had a good chance just because you know you and I didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan and you know some of the younger people, but now with this out, now it's back on it's back on everybody's mind. Yeah, and what is really crazy is how he was able to become a global icon before the internet before smartphones before social media like people knew about michael jordan yeah like and they and like how would you even find out about him like he just his word of mouth just traveled across the globe across the oceans uh so everyone just became an instant fan of his yeah even back in the dream team days when they're going against like these eastern european teams that you know i don't think Mm -hmm. are were super crazy about American culture back then? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) But I I doubt they still are. Yeah, but they loved Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson. So that was that's that that is pretty wild to see and to really think about um that. Yeah. But overall, great documentary, good documentary. Um I I would say I give it an A minus, I think, if I had to put it. A (laughs) minus. Yeah, I I give it like a I give it an eight out of ten. Yeah. Just for just be so it's just for being what it was for us in our in our time of need. Yeah. I think most importantly. Yeah. Yeah, eight out of ten. I agree. Yep. <laughs> so now let's jump into the twenty eleven NBA draft. So you suggested this 
Sean, that we redraft this this NBA draft. And I, for some reason, just couldn't really remember too much about it other than Kyrie Irving. And <laughs> when I looked into it, I was like, wow, this is actually, it's it's a deep draft. There are, mm-hmm. are there all-time greats that came out of it? Like the 96 draft or like potentially the 2003 draft? Maybe, likely not. But the pool of above-average players that came out of this is pretty, pretty amazing, I think. I mean, I would argue that there definitely is at least two or three Hall of Famers that came out of this draft. Hmm. Uh, we, and we can we can talk about them when we get to them because we're obviously going to draft them with one of these spots. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, when I, I didn't realize either when I picked it how deep it really was. This is seen as one of the most loaded drafts ever uh, by a lot of people. And I was making a list of guys that I, I'm going to put on my on my big board for this for this redraft. And I'll tell you, I have 23 guys that I think would be worthy of a lottery pick this in this year that I would be totally stoked to have on my team um, in one of these top 15 spots, which yeah. I think we, I don't think that's something we could say for any of the redrafts we've done so far. Uh, it really does start to the talent drops off significantly after like pick five or six. But with this one, it's really more of like a gradual digression mm-hmm. uh, from the talent that you get from number one and number 15, like you're still going to be happy with your pick at 15 with this redraft. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing that does disservice to this draft is how awful some of these teams <laughs> were. <laughs> like yes. some of these picks like wouldn't necessarily move the needle in terms of like legacy for a lot of these teams just because they're, they're in such deep holes, but I know we can definitely <laughs> chat about that, but Let's let's get started because I think if there is one team that could potentially be changed by this, it's this team. Um, so at number one, I'm on the clock, and I have Cleveland, who was just god awful <laughs> after losing LeBron James to Miami. And one thing that, that that people forget about that is that it was that was essentially a sign and trade. Like LeBron didn't just straight up leave Cleveland, so they did get some yeah. picks um, that they managed to use to later rebuild this team, um, but. One huge moment happened to them <laughs> in February. And like, this is still crazy to me. So they, fast. They traded for Baron. They traded Mo Williams for Baron Davis and managed to get the Clippers to also hand them their first round pick unprotected. This Unbelievable. <laughs> unprotected. And this was already in February when the Clippers knew that, you know, they had a okay record, but they weren't gonna they weren't stealing the eight seed or anything like that i just i i have no (laughs) words i wish i could tap into my memory banks and remember why the clippers thought that this was a good idea for them i don't understand it and that makes no sense to me at all yeah like they don't have they don't have a pick in this lottery in this super deep lottery (laughs) of a year they did not have a pick in these top 15 it's just baffling to me yeah, like I, I, I almost surprised that Mo Williams for Baron Davis and some other uh, pieces weren't enough to make this trade go through. Like, I'm not sure why a first rounder, why the Clippers felt that Mo Williams was good enough to warrant <laughs> a first round pick at this point. I mean, Mo Williams Ugh. had a couple years under him, but I mean, I think at Ugh. this point it was like clear that Mo Williams was not a future all star. He was like a good starter, but not, not, not a move the needle type guy. Anyways, this that so much pain that happened, and that was the lottery ball that gave oh. the Cavaliers the number one pick 
after winning 19 games that year. Uh, third worst record in franchise history up to that point. And the reason I say up to that point was because they would later w- only win 19 games. <laughs> <laughs> and by like, and later, I mean like recently, like a year ago and the year before that. Uh, so out oh, of sheer man. luck, they get this number one pick. And it's tough because it's like on one hand, you I want to take who is the guy who's clearly the best player, I think, out of this mm-hmm. draft now that we're looking at it in hindsight. Um, but this, you know, Kawhi Leonard, I'm going to say it, obviously is the best guy yeah. out of this yeah. draft. <laughs> However, and when I'm looking at the numbers between him and LeBron, I mean, Kyrie Irving comes out of the gates a lot hotter than than Kawhi Leonard, and he's especially better in that 2015-2016 window. Excuse me, who was the Finals MVP? <laughs> That's the right. Spurs? That's right. He Excuse was the me? Finals MVP. You're right. You're right about that. Um, but I think the real, the real big one is just that Cavalier team was built so well around LeBron, and at that time. Like LeBron is playing some more power forward with the Lakers, but at that time with the Cavaliers, he was playing like 13% of the time at that power forward spot. And with Kevin Love, there's no way you move Kevin Love to the center position full time. And, you know, it it's tough, man. But I'm going to go with Kyrie Irving and not move too many things. What? Uh, oh not move too many gosh. domino pieces here for the Cavaliers. And oh still give them gosh. that 2016 NBA title with Kyrie Irving. And maybe without Klay Thompson going to the Warriors, they they end up walking away with the 20, 2015 NBA title too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe – I do not agree with that at all. I, I, I think I that's, do not that's, agree with that's that where I'm going all. with. I think, obviously, I know they win a championship with Kyrie Irving, but Kawhi Leonard, man. It's just, That's what they tried to make happen with the Lakers this year. That would have sealed the championship for them if Kawhi Leonard was on that team. I mean, if we assume that Kevin Love, everything still plays out the same way. Uh, they get another first rounder, make that trade for Kevin. Like there really was no other guy to trade for that offseason. You really don't think that they Kevin would make Love. that work though, man. Between Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James on the same team, man. I don't know. It's we can only tough. dream of such scenarios. It's like Kyrie was just like that perfect offensive weapon that LeBron James needed. And Kawhi would be that perfect two-way weapon. Yeah, that's true. It that would just it would just be a completely different it would have to be a completely different team. Uh, I don't even know what that would look like. Um I guess in that case you call the Clippers up and get Mo Williams back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You have him running point. But I'm gonna go with Dude, Kyrie Irving care. here. Oh man. And just think about it. LeBron had just left. You don't think they'd be like, yeah, let's get who, let's get the best player, you know? And then we're going to get him back a few years from now after he's won a few championships in Miami. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, oh, that. Oof. I'm sorry, right. Sean. Well, I'm sticking hey, by No, my don't guns. be sorry because I'm on the board with Minnesota right now. Yeah. And who did they come into a come up right here? <laughs> I mean, you thought the Cleveland Cavaliers were bad. Minnesota needed this even more than them. They finished the last season 17 and 65. Good for last in the league. Um, and they had, we just went over the 2010 NBA draft uh, last podcast, and they had won 15 games. 
Yikes. In that previous season. So now you got two two win improvement. You know, we're we're climbing, we're climbing, we're getting back up there. Uh they're really going nowhere, nowhere fast, and it's looking abysmal for Minnesota. It did not get much better for them as they drafted some guy named Derek Williams who had a very average NBA career um here with a number two pick. They had a starting lineup of Luke Ridnauer, uh newly drafted Wesley Johnson, Michael Beasley. Their only good player, Kevin Love, and then they were running Darko Milicic, the infamous at center during this year. Actually, it was starting for them. Yeah. Uh, they gave up the most points in the league, had an atrocious defense, were an atrocious team overall, obviously. Kevin Love being the only bright spot here. And I don't even need to go into what they needed or what would fit the best. I'm going to pick <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. You left him here for me as a gift. Thank you so much. You gave them a franchise player that could probably lead them to a championship single-handed after a few years. So Minnesota's woes completely erased with this draft. <laughs> I don't know if Kawhi Leonard can take can take this roster completely through the erased. West into an NBA completely. championship. Oh, for sure he could. He's Kawhi Leonard, man. And it's not even the roster. It's the organization. Like, this is just such a bad organization. At least up until these, <laughs> still in these days. Like, God, I'm just looking at this roster. Like, Wesley Johnson, Michael Beasley, and Derek Williams, like, it's like at that time you could be excited about it, but what a miss! What a huge <laughs> miss! Like you, you were literally at the at the basket and you bricked it. Good job, Minnesota. Well, not this time. <laughs> we're swishing it. We're swishing it this time, man. Kawhi's gonna turn this team around. They might not even trade Kevin Love to the Cavs after <laughs> this one. This is just perfect. I'm gonna still go with Kevin Love wants to trade and. LeBron James gets Kevin Love. Kyrie, they still win the title in 2016, <laughs> maybe even 2015. It would have played out so much more different, bro. So this Meanwhile, is a completely different timeline we're talking about here. Meanwhile, Kawhi Leonard gets consistently makes the eighth and seventh seed in a competitive uh, Western Conference. <laughs> man, you still doubt. You still doubt. <laughs> All right, let's go to Utah on the clock. So they drafted Ennis Cantor here, and this was actually not a not too bad team. Thirty nine wins um, after losing in the semifinals a year before that to the Lakers, and they lost Carl- Carlos Boozer, and they had a starting lineup of Darren Williams, Rajah Bell, Andre Karolinko, Paul Millsap, and Al Jefferson. So I think it was a solid team with a young Gordon Hayward. This is Darren Williams, like one of maybe his last year of like good productivity. And last year of Andre Karolinka, actually he lost significant time this year. And this is when, when his injury woes were really starting to come up. So at this position, it, it's tough, but uh, who do I go with here? Hmm. There's, there's there's some good choices. There are some really good choices here. I mean, you got Gordon Hayward and Darren Williams, you know, was unhappy in Utah. So I'm already just going to jump the gun and get this man his replacement. And there's a great player still on the board. And I'm going to go with Kimball Walker here. Pair up Kimball Walker with Gordon Hayward, Mm, Paul Millsap, Al Jefferson. I think we got ourselves a good, a good team. And you get me some Rudy Gobert in the second round in a couple years. I think think we got a solid playoff contender (laughs) there. Yeah. I mean, you can't get much better than Kemba. I mean, I do think he is – the third best player in this draft for sure. Uh, so I think you definitely got the best player available still. And you did fill a need that they did have because I believe 
this was Darren Williams' last season with the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you did really need a point guard to replace him. And yeah, Kemba Walker. Uh, Too bad for Charlotte uh, later in the draft, but it's not like they did anything with him anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Put this man on a winning team before he has to make it all the way to Boston after 10 years of mediocrity. Yeah. All right. So we're back on the board with Cleveland again. Two picks in the top five. What a year! I'd say for they these did guys. pretty. Oh, I mean, incredible. <laughs> I mean, th- this is where everything really started to turn around for them after LeBron left, and so now, I mean, they they did draft Tristan Thompson, who ended up being pretty good, but I, I think that they probably are kicking themselves for a few other players on on this in this draft that performed a little better than Tristan Thompson up to this point in their careers. Um, so we're we're gonna go with your Kyrie pick. Obviously, they picked Kyrie. Uh, so I do think that they are still going for the best player available because this this whole roster is garbage. Like there's nothing from it you're <laughs> gonna hold on to. So you're looking for a replacement anywhere. I'm gonna go with an interesting pick here. Um, I'm actually gonna pick Jimmy Butler. Okay, yeah, I figured you'd go with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you got your got your backcourt locked up now, and Jimmy Butler's just he's a winner, man. He's got a winning mentality. Obviously, he hasn't won anything, but. He's a guy that's going to pump up your troops. He's going to keep Kyrie in check, I think, at least to a little bit of an extent. I think that would be a really dangerous combo. If you were, if you had Kyrie, Jimmy, and then had LeBron coming back, I would. Say, I don't think you need Kevin Love. I think he's going to stay with Kawhi Leonard in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting to see the Jimmy Butler and a LeBron James dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. You got a lot of score first type. Or you got two score first score first type guys in the LeBron James. Jimmy Butler though has shown in these recent years, like at least with this last year in Miami, he's uh, he's fine taking a back seat on the scoring part of things. Yeah, and he's a tough guy, he's a tough defender, so I would not mind having him up against the the Golden State Warriors since I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Well, who knows in this alternate universe if that's the team they consistently meet up with. Yeah, it probably isn't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, <laughs> moving on Toronto, so they they actually didn't make a bad pick here. Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. I mean, this guy ends up becoming Marcus All, and Marcus All ends up being the pivotal piece that gets them to the ultimate prize, that NBA championship. And this is a yeah. bad team as well. Twenty two <laughs> wins, like post Chris Bosch. Offseason, this is where they signed Dwayne Casey. They have Jose Calderon, DeMar DeRozan, Sonny Weems, Amir Johnson, and Andre Bargnani. Uh, failed project of Andre Bargnani. So this is, again, <laughs> yeah. one of those teams where it's like the players that are left on the board probably don't necessarily change anything for this team. If anything, it's like, could it be extra added value once, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry joins the squad mm-hmm. or who knows, yeah. the Kawhi Leonard eventually comes on board. Um, so it's like, it's really tough because I think they made a good pick for what they needed at that time. Um, so I, I struggled with this one a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with my guy here and get, get the small ball lineup, versatile lineup started here for this team. And, and you know, you could, you could, I could, I could have gone another way, but DeMar DeRozan again, do I move him or do I not move him? I, mm. I'm going to see your reaction to this, Sean, and I'm going to go Tobias Harris here for Toronto. Oh, <laughs> You love yourself some <laughs> Tobias. He's a late bloomer. Was, I was expecting you to pick Clay Thompson. I was going back because and forth. Because you were talking about replacing DeMar. I, I was going back and forth between DeMar 
or Clay, but in this scenario, you know, we're we're hanging with Demar and and we're going. We're moving this train with Demar and seeing where he takes this franchise. But I'm gonna give him some help here. We're gonna go Tobias Harris, a late bloomer, but they will bloom close at the right time. At the same time, with a uh, added Kyle Lowry on the board, so I think they're headed for a deep playoff run in 2015, 2016, and and on. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that. I think Tobias Harris definitely presents you with def, um, some places that you had some weaknesses. I mean, Sonny Weems. <laughs> Who's Sonny Weems? I have no idea. I don't no idea. At the time, they had Jose Calderon, DeMar DeRozan. I think they were happy with that. I think Tobias Harris does fit a very good need for them. Obviously, I think their priority was having a replacement for Adriana Bargnani <laughs> in that short term there, but... Yeah, so that, I mean, like you said, it didn't work out that badly for them. Tobias is just a more well-rounded, more versatile player that Mm -hmm. they could roll with for many years in many different positions. So not a bad pick at all. I do question if Clay Thompson was still maybe the better pick here, um, playing kind of him at a smaller, small forward type of role. Yeah, you shift DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, Yeah, if if you're not trying to go for just a straight up three-point shooting style offense maybe that's not the call i'm not sure i i would i was going back and forth on that and the only way i can think to to confirm whether or not i made the right choice is to you know turn on the nba 2k and let's run in a season simulation <laughs> yeah, run it through. yeah. <laughs> i like it all right so i'm on the clock here with the paltry washington wizards who finished the previous season 23 and 59 this would be Gilbert Arenas' last year with the team, uh, oh. coming off the bench behind a uh, newly uh, minted Rookie of the Year, John Wall, alongside his running mates of Nick Young, Al Thornton, Andre Blatch, and a young JaVale McGee. <laughs> Big man anchoring this team. Uh, he put up some decent numbers for what he's able to do, but that's kind of been the story of his career. Uh, this team was notably notably bad on both offense and defense. 28th in offensive rating, 24th in defensive. And they ended up drafting some guy. This, this is probably the worst pick of the draft. Jan Vaselli. I've never heard of I this don't guy. Think, yeah, I don't think I have one clue who this man is. <laughs> I don't even know if he's played in an NBA game before. But that was probably the worst pick of the draft i don't think that's even going out on a limb i think washington would agree so they're gonna get a huge upgrade right now in the form of clay thompson yeah clay thompson because, fits I mean, this yeah, roster. it's like obviously that's not who they were looking for based off whoever the heck this guy is that they picked <laughs> but man clay thompson on this team that that accelerates what you have with the john wall bradley beal combo uh, what you did eventually get to, but this makes it one year faster. And that, that backcourt is going to be something to be reckoned with in the East for a long time. I think it's even honestly a slight improvement uh, from Bradley Beal. Oh, I agree. I think if you give Clay Thompson a little more space to work with, um, not being in Steph Curry's shadow, uh, and defensively too, Clay Thompson just has that over Bradley Beal. I think this is uh, definitely a more improved Washington team moving forward. And they, they, could definitely make it farther in the playoffs than they did before. I mean, that's but that could potentially be an Eastern Conference final team right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy. Like we've just 
shifted the powers to the Eastern Conference. We could be in the, in the, in the, in the <laughs> yeah, so many bad, uh, so many high lottery picks. Uh, what are you gonna do, right? Yeah, so many bad picks were meant here that could have really shifted the powers to the East in the mid two thousand, in the mid twenty tens. Here, had they just gone the right way, because that's that's a loaded team right there. John Wall, Clay Thompson, and then some of these pieces that they had still coming off the bench and maybe they still make the Bradley Beal pick a couple in a couple of years. Cause yeah, cause that's not a huge game changer in the short term. Um, so they still have the lottery balls potentially going their way for Beal. Um, right. So moving on. So I'm interested to see what you do with this next pick. Are, are you going to go the Sacramento route? Or are you going to go the Charlotte route? So what is the background on that? So Sacramento made this trade and later traded um, it to there Charlotte. Was a, there was a yeah draft day trade, a three team trade between Charlotte, Sacramento and Milwaukee, where Sacramento gave Charlotte the seven uh, Sacramento ended up with 10 and Milwaukee ended up with 16 and pushed themselves out of the lottery essentially sacramento pushed themselves out of this lottery or no milwaukee milwaukee pushed yeah so sacramento went from seven to ten charlotte gained seven and milwaukee went down to 16 man what the hell was that all for (laughs) there was a lot of random players involved i guess charlotte (laughs) kind of got a little win here right because they get ended up getting kemba oh yeah they get i mean so with the seven pick uh, I can't remember who they, which one was the Kemba Walker pick. I think actually that was their actual pick at nine. And with this pick, they picked Bismarck Biombo. Charlotte picked picked Bismack Biombo. Yeah, that makes sense because mm-hmm. when I was looking at this, I was like, why the hell did Sacramento pick Bismack Biombo when they already had the Marcus <laughs> Cousins? Yep, nope, that was for Charlotte. Okay, so I guess in this case, I'm gonna just assume that Charlotte this trade still goes through so I'll pick it for Charlotte anyway and and besides I think it fits here because they don't get Kimba Walker so as a result let, let let's get another guy a little guy um who I think fills kind of that void at least in the short term for them and I think you know Isaiah Thomas in Charlotte very little <laughs> yes Isaiah Thomas in Charlotte is going to throw some crazy scoring performances because uh, if uh, there's a franchise that has no accountability it's this one <laughs> yes. and this dude is going to be destined for a couple years to be like the 7th I mean not 7th 11th 10th best team in the Eastern Conference but this dude's going to maybe get get himself a scoring title I'm going Isaiah Thomas right here for Charlotte uh, mm-hmm. pairing him up with Steven Jackson, Gerald Wallace, Boris Dio, and Kwame Brown. I mean, all these guys are out the oh, these guys, Kwame. <laughs> All these guys are looking out the door. So this is Isaiah Thomas's team, clearly. And I am ready to see Isaiah Thomas throw down some 30-point performances night in and night out. <laughs> I like it. From Mr. Irrelevant, number 60 to number 7. Yes. What a story. I mean, and he might have even gone higher had his career not hit the speed bump that it has. I mean, I guess it's more of a speed bump. It's more of a brick wall. <laughs> but, yeah, he man, those are some special years that he was able to provide in Boston. And I think he's definitely worthy of that pick. I think he would have that room to blossom, like you said, with Charlotte and have that room to operate and kind of grow into that player that he was meant to be. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe they, they do keep Steven Jackson, Gerald Wallace, and these guys around because, I mean, these dudes were, like, not great players, but, I mean, they were tough. They were grinders. So, I think you throw those guys around Isaiah Thomas, dudes that are just willing to play defense. 
maybe you got yourself a, good, a solid playoff team with that construction. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be really interesting, and uh, it might be one of the only things uh, Michael Jordan, the owner, would be able to do right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so I'll go on the clock here with Detroit. Uh, another bad season for them. They finished the previous one 30-52, and 52, um, still suffering from the, the post-Chauncey Billups days, if you will. And uh, they're still they're still holding on to a few pieces from that team. Uh, their starting lineup is quite different though, with Rodney Stuckey, Ben Gordon, Tayshawn Prince, Charlie Villanueva, and rookie Greg Monroe. And they still have Rip Hamilton on the bench, but this was his last season with the Pistons before they uh, ended up shipping him out. And they actually even had an old Tracy McGrady coming off the bench too, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't really do much, obviously. He's on his last legs. Um, and Ben Gordon uh, playing for this team after having a phenomenal start to his career in Chicago, just tanks. Maybe it's because of the organization. Maybe it was just the wrong fit. Who who knows what really happened with Ben Gordon? He has showed a lot of promise with those baby Bulls teams, and he was never the player he was with them. So um, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, this was a tough, guy. a tough team because I remember this was an exciting time for these Detroit Pistons getting Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanova on the roster and they got handed big time money and never ever came close to living (laughs) not even one single penny up to expectations so yeah the Luol Deng uh Timothy Mozgov before the actual ones yes exactly and now that just kind of reminds me and feels like that's kind of been the story for this Pistons franchise that this whole last decade is overpaying dudes that don't live up to expectations and then you're set up in this salary cap hole that is impossible to get out of other than just playing through bad seasons <laughs> right so they ended up drafting a point guard Brandon Knight which I can't blame them for because Rodney Stuckey's not really doing it for them yeah. But they do have they just have needs everywhere really. And I know they weren't going to pick a new center because they had Greg Monroe and they wanted to try him out, but we all know Greg Monroe never became a dominant force in the league. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to go with the best player available for them and I don't think they would regret it even if it meant Greg Monroe's career kind of fell by the wayside is drafting Nikola Vucevic yeah. right now. Like, this guy is way too talented to not go off the board right now. I can't let him slide anymore. I mean, the dude's an all-star now. He's single-handedly carrying <laughs> Orlando into the eighth seed every year, even though they have no business being there. It- it's Vucevic right here, and he's got staying power. Yeah. Maybe he stays healthy in Detroit rather than the humid weather of Orlando. <laughs> maybe but yeah Vucevic is a nice piece I think he, he kind of gets forgotten just because of his injuries like missed almost all of last mm-hmm. year but he put together a great year this year um, and I think he's definitely worthy of that I would love to see him in a better situation than Orlando and see what he could do um, I do feel sad though that Brandon Knight won't be in a piston uniform because maybe we don't get that insane dunk that DeAndre Jordan <laughs> did to him. Like I still yes. watch that highlight. I'm I remember, like, my lord. <laughs> I remember the Wikipedia page for DeAndre Jordan uh, changed to DeAndre Killer Jordan <laughs> that day, and Brandon Knight also had 
a death date. <laughs> <laughs> that could. I mean, it's just the only thing that works against it is that it's just not a moment. Like, it's not a playoff moment or like, you know, the Pistons were a bad team. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but like that should get all that all that aside. That's probably one of the crazy, if not the the biggest, most posterizing dunk I've ever seen. <laughs> I got to go back and watch that again now. That was so awesome. I remember just being so giddy about that moment, just watching it over and over again, just laughing at the Wikipedia page. I just couldn't get over yeah. how it just took over the NBA community. Yeah, that's a that's an insane dunk. Um iconic i think that should definitely be one of those that's like talked about a lot more the only like i said the only thing that works against it is just that it wasn't really a moment like neither of these teams were really that good at that time it wasn't in the yeah. playoffs but still it's just an nba moment yeah it's just like a yeah. crazy nba moment exactly so it's like one of those oh, diamonds in so the rough good. within a long season um yeah but anyways so now back the ninth pick so this is charlotte's pick again Again, 34 wins. This is where they actually chose Kemba Walker, but they don't have a Kemba Walker here. They have an Isaiah <laughs> Thomas now at this point. Yeah. Um, so now let's see. You got Vucevic off the board. And again, this is where it's kind of like it gets a little trickier. Uh, a lot of good players are off. And it, mm-hmm. the, I guess the thing that I do have on my side is that this is just such an awful roster and so many older pieces <laughs> that are just going to leave. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go with a big man here. I'm going to go with Ju- with Jonas Valashunas here. There you go. <laughs> I mean... that That's a good pick. Yeah, I mean, this dude still put together some solid career years, and he's still going even right now in Memphis. Tough dude. Um, You know, was part of that Toronto Raptors team that went to the playoffs consecutive years within the decade. Uh, unfortunately, he was not an NBA champion, but again, he went to a Memphis team, and he's still doing work there. Yeah, so that's a good question then, I think. Is Isaiah Thomas, Jonas Valanciunas better than Kemba Walker, Bismarck, Biombo? Obviously with Kemba Walker being better than IT, but is Jonas Valanciunas that much better than Bismarck that the IT-Jonas combo actually works out better for them in the end, even if they don't get Kemba? Uh, I guess. I'd say maybe, but not by much. Marginal. Yeah. Okay. It's like the difference between nine and eight. I I would say finishing ninth and eighth. Like I like I could see <laughs> okay. this. And that gets you in the playoffs. Yeah, though. that's what I'm saying. I I feel like this combo could sneak into the playoff once, um, which I guess is an improvement because Kemba never got to the playoffs with right. Charlotte, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's an improvement, marginal, but I don't want to give it too much, yeah. too much weight because <laughs> I still think like Kemba's the better player. Sure. I, I, yeah, that, that's still a good pick there. Yeah. Really good pick there. And a player that has had a pretty consistent career so far. Like, he hasn't, he didn't like, he wasn't terrible and then had a few good years and then was terrible again. Like, he's just been solid. Yeah, he's a solid. For a while. He's a solid dude. Good player. Mm hmm. And you're replacing Kwame Brown, yes, which is a plus. Yeah, th- thank the Lord. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't think these guys still played after this. Maybe just one more year, but I think they were definitely like on their way out. Like I think, yeah. Stephen Jackson gets traded to to Spurs, and Gerald Wallace moves to that infamous Brooklyn Nets team. <laughs> <laughs> infamous. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we're picking where Milwaukee would have picked, but they traded their pick to Sacramento here, um, who was originally going to draft seven. Now they're down here at ten, finishing the previous season twenty four and fifty eight, second worst in the West. 
uh, with a starting lineup with Bano Udrick, Tyreek Evans, Omri Caspi, Jason Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins. Somehow finished with a worse record than last year, even though they just picked DeMarcus Cousins in the draft. <laughs> and he had a pretty decent rookie year. Yeah, he came so out of the gates. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how they got worse, but that's just kind of the Sacramento way, it seems. Uh, that That's kind of persisted to this day. But they have the talent. I mean, Evans is still a great player at this point in his career. Cousins is becoming a great player. And then they ruin it by picking Jimmer for debt with this pick. Yikes. (laughs) So, I mean, we're going to let Jimmer take an early trip over to China to become a national icon there. (laughs) And we're going to go with a much better pick for them here. And, I mean, they they got a few holes that are, are pretty glaring. I mean... Omri Caspi, Jason Thompson, I think, are probably the weakest parts of this team. And if you're able to replace those, one of those guys um, over these next few years with a with another player, I think that you definitely can get a lot more out of them. I'm going to pick here. Uh, there, there's two guys I'm looking at. One of them's Marcus Morris, and the other one's Boyan Bogdanovich. With Boyan, I don't feel like you'd get that immediate impact yeah. from him. So I don't think it would work for the Kings. So I'm actually going to go with Marcus Morris here. Interesting. I actually honestly forgot Boyan was in this draft. Yeah, yeah, he was in this draft. I'm going to go with Marcus Morris here, though. Obviously, he didn't make that immediate impact in the NBA either, but it's because he didn't get any playing time at all. Mm -hmm. So that's no fault of his own. I think he would have, with DeMarcus Cousins by his side, they would have been a pretty dominant force, especially on the defensive end. And I I think that move could be something that does make the Kings consider becoming a playoff team. I'm not sure. Obviously, there's still a lot of organizational things for them to worry about, but I like the Marcus Morris pick here. I think this vastly improves their team. Nice. Interesting. Interesting pick there. I thought Marcus Morris, is it was a solid piece, but I, I feel like... My boy Ennis Cantor deserves some love there as the better big man still no, left on the board. He's a center. He's a, they have the Marcus Cousins. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. I that's, see. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. All right. So I left him I left him there for you. Okay. Uh, you know. So I'm gonna go next pick Golden State. So this is the one team, another team like there's a lot of these teams I think that don't quite move the needle that much, possibly maybe. But the Golden State Warriors are definitely affected here without Clay Thompson. Like this yeah. this now makes them either hold on to Monte Ellis or really look for a better return than what they did get in the trade for him. So interesting enough to to move that franchise in the direction that it was going. I think Steph Curry's still destined to be a top five point guard. So now it's a matter of like pairing him up with something that's going to be good, but but obviously there's nothing left on the board that can replace a Clay Thompson. So this team ends up is going to end up looking a little bit more different. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give this man the, I don't know, who what do I give this team? Like, let's see, they got Andre, Andres Bedrins on still on this team is awful. David Lee was okay, so maybe David Lee still stays with this franchise and doesn't really get traded. Uh, but I'm gonna give him another piece to work with. I'm gonna make this team just more fired up from the three point range, and I'm giving them Nikola Mirotic here. Mm. and give pairing him up at the four spot david lee comes off the bench and i still think that this team ends up somehow getting andre uh andrew bogut uh so they still form a formidable team they don't really get the dynasty started but they still get a formidable team that i think can compete in the second round of the western conference and 
Maybe get lucky and go to the conference finals. Is this considering uh, Miritich goes back to his hometown and oh. plays overseas? Nah, he likes the Bay Area a little bit more. He likes the Bay Area a little more. <laughs> okay, I mean, at least you're from the Bay Area, so I I, I can I can say you have uh, personal experience in the matter. <laughs> exactly. I also save him from getting punched in the face too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that didn't set things on a good path. Yeah, exactly. I, I I would have gone boy on Bogdanovich here if I was you. Yeah, it's an interesting one too, huh? Yeah, filling Darrell Wright's position. I I don't know that that guy just doesn't seem like he's very important to this team. There's and Boyan does offer you three point shooting as well. There's still one more draft left for this Golden State team that that ends up netting them Harrison Barnes though, so oh. that replacement is on its way. That's not a good replacement. <laughs> it's a decent I would one. Not, I would not give them Harrison Barnes. You forget Harrison Barnes was on that 70 plus win team, though. That doesn't mean that he was the reason they were good. It's a vital piece. Hell, he could have been holding them back. They won 175 games without him. Yeah, it would have gone 82 and 0 without Harrison Barnes. Yeah. Dude, Harrison Barnes, man, the most overpaid player in the league. Hey man, once a- I'm not I'm not putting that evil on anybody. He's an NBA champ. Ugh. Don't remind me. <laughs> All right, so we're actually back here with Utah with their second pick of the lottery. Uh, I'm guessing this is their actual pick since they finished the season 39 and 43. Uh, I don't actually know who they got their uh, first pick from. Did, did you have a note on that one, Alan? I actually don't know. I don't know how they ended up here. Hmm. Well, however they did, um, <laughs> they, they got a great pick to start the draft, and now they're going to follow it up with another solid piece. Um, the starting lineup, like you already mentioned before, Darren Williams, Raja Bell, Andre Kirilenko, Paul Millsap, Al Horford, with a young Gordon Hayward and Derek Favors off the bench. Um, and this is the year where Jerry Sloan actually resigned from the team. And I, we didn't get to go into this um, very much uh, when we were picking for the first time, but they actually started the season 27-13. and 13. <laughs> uh, Halfway through the season, they were well on their way to making the playoffs. Jerry Sloan resigns. They trade Darren Williams away at the trade deadline, and then everything just implodes on them, and they ended up 39-43 and and miss out on the playoffs, become the first team in NBA history to start 27-13 and and miss the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I forgot about this, but but I did have a feeling that something weird must have happened when I looked at the roster because – this, it's a great roster. Yeah, this is Andre Karolinko in his prime. I mean, he 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 only played like sixty or so games. Um, actually, that was this was a lockout year, right? So sixty or so games. Is the, um, no, next year, next year uh, was the lockout okay. year. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so he did lose a good chunk of games, but Paul Millsap was really coming into his own here. Al Jefferson was still a solid piece. Uh, with Carlos mm-hmm. Boozer gone, Raja Bell is a good piece too. He still he still hasn't completely lost his legs, so. Yeah, this this team looked like it was in the right direction, but God, yeah. Darren Williams is just—I don't like that player. The more I hear about him, <laughs> no. I just never really liked him. But yeah, I mean, you hear the rumors of there was conflict between him and Jerry Sloan. Obviously, they both discounted as nothing, but you you don't really know what happened behind closed doors. Yeah, I mean, I gotta think maybe he just had some issue. I mean, he wanted to be you know the best point guard in the NBA. I think he always just had issues with wanting the ball more. So. Yeah. So clearing up here is so the Utah Jazz's third pick came from New Jersey, and this was their actual pick. 
Oh, yeah, because of the Darren Williams trade. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, yeah, they traded Darren Williams to the Nets, and then they get the first-round pick out of it. So, tanked the season to get a reboot. I don't know. We'll we'll see if that uh, works out for them. Obviously, they were able to make the playoffs and have some good teams for a while on the back of Gordon Hayward and now Donovan Mitchell. Um, So, they probably don't have too many regrets about that, but we're going to help them in their little rebuild here. Um, you, you had already picked for them earlier, and I believe that was the third pick, uh, Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. Great, great job there <laughs> replacing Darren Williams. That was, that was fantastic. My pick will not be as flashy, unfortunately, um, but I'm still, I'm still see, see what we can do with them. You know, <laughs> I might do him a favor early. I mean, Andre Kirilenko is a little older now. We're going to need some help at that small forward position. I'm going to get him Boyan Bogdanovich early oh, here. Oh, nice. Get him uh, right with... don't, Yeah, don't worry about Indiana or any of that. We're, we're going we're gonna to get you on the roster now. And you won't have to... We don't have to sign you to a contract <laughs> after nine seasons in the NBA. We get pre-surgery Boyan Bogdanovich. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a Boyan with a healthy rest on the Utah squad. Yes, I like that pick. I like it. I keep forgetting that Boyan's on this board, and you—I I don't—I know—I don't know how I keep forgetting about that. But anyways, that's a good pick. I like that one. I think it's Thank a you. little better than Alec Burks. Um, I mean, he had some good f- moments here and there, but this is way better. You get a starter, yeah, any yeah. day. And yeah, just so you know, Boy- Boyan Bogdanovich um, was the first pick in the second round. Ooh, um, just to get kind of give you a va- uh, idea of the value that we're getting from him. Yeah. Here. But I mean, this is also a guy that took his, took some time to develop and get, he's one of those guys that got he better did, every yeah. He year. Was, yeah. I don't think he started out playing in the NBA right when he was drafted. I think he's still on a contract in Europe. Yeah. He was one of those guys that like, you know, still had the training wheels on a little bit, but he got better every year. Yeah. Right. And then when he got to the NBA, he is a solid piece on Indiana and now he's a solid piece on Utah. Yeah. So now I got the Phoenix Suns on the board. The last year of Steve Nash, they went with a last desperate mm. effort to get this oh, man this into the playoffs. Roster. <laughs> with Vince Carter, Jared Dudley, Channing Fry, Morshawn Gortat. This is Morshawn Gortat leaving the Orlando Magic after his conflict with Dwight Howard and Vince Carter just oh, like no. not having the. <laughs> this is like pre um, three point specialist Vince Carter. This is Vince Carter who still wanted to score and dunk. Uh, didn't work out. You know, 40 <laughs> wins. It's okay, but. Essentially, for this team, this is ground zero. Like, I mean, this team keeps nobody from this roster heading into this next year. <laughs> so it, right. it doesn't really matter who I pick, but I'm going to give them a head start on their – because they went through that phase. I don't know if you remember, Sean, where they had a sh- just a ton of point guards on the roster. So oh, of course I remember <laughs> So that. I'm going to try to save them from that mess. Please And do. get them one solid point guard. And I'm going to go with Reggie Jackson here. And I hope that saves oh, them. You all think that he's mess. gonna be enough to save them? I mean, it's from something. the point guard rage. <laughs> it's something. So yeah, I'm going to Reggie Jackson. Nothing flashy. Okay. I don't really have much justification other than he's the best player still on the board, I think. And um, this team obviously wants to replace something with the Steve Nash era with something. Yeah, I I can't blame you for that because. Yeah, if if the if the sole reason of this was to save them from drafting point guard after point guard or bringing in point guard after point guard and free agency and trades, if that stops all of that, this team becomes so much better yeah. because of that. So <laughs> if Reggie Jackson is that solid piece there that they just 
that don't worry about point guard position from here on out. Yes, I think that is the best move you could have made from them. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll we'll move on quickly here to Houston, um, who finished the season with a winning record, forty three and thirty nine. But we're last in their division and ended up as the ninth seed in the West. <laughs> like, how crappy is that? That's kind of unreal. Every team had a winning record in their division. They were the fifth team. And the, uh, I think they missed the playoffs by three games. I think uh, they had to get 46 wins um, to make the playoffs, which is kind of what happened last year. The Clippers, as as the eighth seed, had like 46 wins. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of the, another one of those deep years in the West. Um, they had a great starting lineup: Kyle Lowry, uh, Kevin Martin, Shane Battier, Luis Scola, and then uh, Chuck Hayes at center. And this was um, also marked as Yao Ming's last season, um, where he's playing barely any minutes, still putting up like ten and five in like eight minutes of play a game. Um, but it was his his swan song, and they fired the coach after the season, despite having a winning record. Um, and, and they picked a good guy in Marcus Morris that they never got any playing time. Um, so that was too bad. So we're going to see. I mean, not much you can do about who's going to get what playing time. Uh, and so the, Marcus Morris is off the board. Would have loved to have him. I think Chuck Hayes. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just a matter of me not really remembering him very well. But I don't think Chuck Hayes is a very good player. Like, I mean, he was okay. I don't. Th- He's okay. Just yeah, do you average. remember anything about Chuck Hayes? I mean, I remember him a yeah. little bit just because I was. That's. I remember that was like. I think this is like the first year I played NBA fantasy, and oh. I remember picking him off the waivers, and he gave me some solid performances here and there. He was just an average okay. dude. Yeah, sounds about right. right. I mean, a starter on a fringe playoff team. Yeah, serviceable starter. I mean, he had some decent numbers here and there. Like, good rebounder, for sure. Mm-hmm. And But he wasn't, like, a block specialist. He never... I'm looking at the stats right now. He never averaged over a block a game. So, he's not, like, a true center. He was a little undersized. I'm going to give them... I'm going to give them the center that you've been eyeing this entire time. That's Ennis Cantor. <laughs> no, not Ennis. Yes. Come to me. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that Ennis went this far. But I mean, well, that's how deep this yeah, draft because this draft is pretty deep. Like a guy of Ennis's level, we drafted them like in the like in the late like nine or eight or ten range in the other drafts yeah. we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this draft was so deep, man. It, it was insane. And to their point, that was a, an insane year in the Western Conference. Uh, Memphis got the eight seed <laughs> that year, forty six and thirty six. Yeah, and they actually—that's mm-hmm. the year they upset the Spurs in the first round. Yeah, that's right, man. This is a crazy year. Yeah, this is the year that brought the emergence of like OKC, um, you know, Andre Iguodala, Denver Nuggets. Like Dallas was still there. The Lakers were still there. Like this, this was a crazy year in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah. So now I got the last pick only one pick yeah. left and there's yeah we have to go over some of these honorable mentions I feel after you make this pick because there are some guys on here that got snubbed from the lottery okay so this is so I think a couple teams here that actually you know this draft completely changes the trajectory of their franchise uh, potentially the Warriors um, potentially the uh, San Antonio actually it probably will change the San Antonio Spurs and notably this franchise as well. Indiana, I think um, not getting either a Kawhi Leonard or a George Hill here, I think hurts them 
I don't know if uh, you know Greg Popovich agrees to the trade <laughs> for this guy. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm just kind of like I don't I don't really know what to pick up here. Uh, so yeah, so you, you don't think San Antonio would trade for this uh, pick right here if Kawhi Leonard wasn't on the board? I don't think so. I think kind of, okay. I, I think they had their eyes on a on a on a on a Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I still think this Indiana team is still solid, though. Darren Collison, Danny Granger, and Roy Hibbert. Uh, yeah. It's still a solid team. And, you know, I'm just going to go what the hell and see what happens, you know, if this were to happen. I'm going to go with Chandler Parsons here. What? <laughs> no. He's not even on my list, bro. Are you serious? Yeah. Why? Dude, he had a Why? one really good year. <laughs> And if he can keep it together in Indiana, stays healthy, oh. maybe this guy, you know, helps Indiana become a solid fourth, consistent fourth or fifth seed in the in the oh, Eastern Conference. I just feel like he lost so much basketball karma for even <laughs> mentioning his name. He wasn't that bad. He was okay. He had one or two really good years. I know, but you can't you can't remember those years. You have to remember him for what a sad failure it all became <laughs> i'll take chandler parsons oh my gosh you actually really chandler i'm going parsons? with it man i'm going with it it's locked in Ooh. it's locked it's done brandon knight still there if you want to talk about guys that have had hard careers that had a few good years oh man kenneth Fareed, tristan thompson yeah tristan thompson's a good player we already had roy hibbert on the squad Oh, I was looking at Tristan Parsons? Thompson. Chandler Parsons. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's happened. Unbelievable. It's locked in. I can't. I'm not even going to argue with you. It's just. <laughs> I just disagree completely. <laughs> like, I'm not going to draft him even in the second round of this draft. <laughs> he was still a 16. He was still a 16 and like 38% from three type guy. Oh man, it's just I can't I can't give myself that disappointment later in my life. Yeah, he he was a he averaged sixteen I five. I would not trade I would not trade that those one or two years for the lifetime of sadness I would feel afterwards. Oh, it's okay. Indiana doesn't bite the doesn't bite and give him the big contract. <laughs> oh, yeah, but we better hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy I think um, a few guys I think that could have deserved some of these lottery spots. Markeith Morris, brother of Marcus Morris. I, th- I think that could have been as good a pick as any. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a solid player. Davis Bertans, three-point specialist. I'm surprised you didn't go with him for the Golden State pick. Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans. Do you even know who Davis Bertans is? I don't remember Please Davis Bertans. You know. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> He played for the Spurs for a few years. Oh, yes. I do know who you're talking about. Yeah, three-point specialist. I, I, got snubbed from the three-point contest. I will not, I will not draft a, a San Antonio, what? especially one of those San Antonio Spurs guys from those years. I don't know. Oh, that's just a vendetta. That is a vendetta. This guy is a knockdown, lights-out three-point shooter. No, I'm not going to draft that no. guy. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, what about um, Alec Burks? He's okay. Alec Burks is a decent player. Um, Justin Holiday, undrafted brother of uh, Drew Holiday, was in this draft as well. 
Um, he's a decent player too. The closest Alec Burke ever got to Chandler Parsons' best year was oh, that awful God. year <laughs> with the war, which is this year actually with uh, this year's awful year with the Warriors. So the only reason he got to those numbers was because he was on a team full of D League type dudes. <laughs> I mean, he's he put up a little bit better numbers with the Cavs too. I mean, uh, it's I mean okay. not that they're a good team either. I'm just saying, I, at least you're getting something out of him. I think you forget for how, more than a year. I think you forget how good Chandler Parsons was for two years with the Rockets. Rightfully so. <laughs> he was pretty Rightfully good. so. I mean, I don't know who else. Who else would I? Pick? I guess one of the Morris t- brothers was good. Um, what you got? I got Etwan. I got Etwan Moore still like, on the board. Etwan Moore, Iman Shumpert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like they're all like they're none of them are difference makers. But I just I can't believe that you picked Chandler Parsons. Yeah. I just can't believe it. I'm going with it. I mean, Iman's okay. I guess I could see a case for Iman. All right, who are your honorable mentions then? I guess we already said that. I mean, everyone we've talked about already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are all honorable mentions. Iman Shumpert, uh, Markeith Morris, um, Etwan Moore, Thompson. Tristan Thompson. Yeah, Alec Burks, Corey Joseph. Corey Joseph's a decent player yeah, too. Still in the NBA. Gotta shout him out. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of like good role players that came out of this draft. Um, seven of these players have become All Stars so far. Um, seven. Seven players from this draft. Yeah. And who are your Hall of Famers? Obviously, we got Clay Thompson. Oh, I mean, yeah, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, and Kyrie Irving. You think Kyrie Irving makes the Hall of Fame? I guess. Yeah, I guess there's I ever since that that championship ring got him into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I I think that they'll probably win one more with him and Kevin Durant. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, next year. Next year is going to be a, an interesting one for sure. Yeah, I agree. So there you have it. The 2011 NBA redraft from the perspective of me and Sean. Um, I think it's a great perspective. I thought it was a great redraft. Yeah. I thought like outside of your last pick, you, you were out a good streak going there. <laughs> These last picks are always so tough, especially when it's like a very, very non-needle-moving pick. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, it's whatever. But I, I have to. I can't let you just live that down. A go with Shadow Parsons. If you want, we could run the simulation on NBA 2K and see what happens. Ah, <laughs> uh, NBA 2K, give him too much credit. <laughs> All right. Especially that year. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. There you have it. We'll be coming back with more NBA content and updates as the NBA uh, gears itself up to resume the season, hopefully crossing our fingers. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone.